He's recording me yawning. <laughs> well, I, I, I wasn't planning on it. She just did it right on cue. <laughs> it was day two uh, in Osaka, Kobe, and Nara, Kansai, better known as Kansai. Um, and uh, feeling the clean air environment of Bird 56, really feeling that this morning. Both stepped out of the hotel, real spring in our steps. And uh, yeah. All up for another day of jazz, Kisa hunting. It's pissing with rain, which is not ideal, but sure, you know, what's a little rain? Okay, hello everyone and welcome back to the Tokyo Jazz Joints podcast. Slight stumble there. Episode 59. I'm not the one that's meant to be tipsy because it's only um, midday here. What's your excuse? Um, I'm sure that's not stopped you in the past based on a couple of memories I have, Philip. But uh, my excuse, well, we've had a, a little bit of a Fake return news. to um, a little bit of return to our summer ways here. On unfortunately, already in September, but I think it's the last uh, the last gasp of summer. But anyway, yeah, was a couple of early beers in the late afternoon. So feeling good, feeling ready to podcast. Uh, we'll try to keep thrilling mem- stuff. Memories clear and the language clean. So let's do it. Yes. Good uh, idea. We have a barking dog, but I think this just adds to the general ambience of uh, a podcast. The the inevitable press, the inevitable press record, and then the doorbell rings with the delivery. So uh, yeah, it, that was that was to be expected. But yes, he should quiet down. It's the sound of the man in the twilight of his life with a beer, <laughs> small dog to keep him company. <laughs> talking talking jazz cafes um, on a on a Sunday night. Yeah. <laughs> Yep, there we go. Um, it's been a good week this week, and obviously sometimes we're wary of dating the podcast, but I think it's really impossible not to. And we understand that, you know, you might be listening to this episode five years in the future if things like SoundCloud and podcasts still exist. But equally, there are a lot of people we know that tune in quite regularly, and um, when the podcast goes up, uh, you often see quite a few people starting to listen almost immediately. So in the spirit of those contemporaneous listeners, I think um, it's worth just mentioning a couple of highlights this week, James. We had a lovely write-up um, in um, on a German website. Uh, I won't butcher the language, even though I do have an A-level in it, but uh, it was basically choosing uh, Tokyo Jazz Joints as its beautiful photo book of the week, and that was a lovely uh, thing to see. I've linked it to the website, so you can go on there, use the cleverness of AI and translate the page into English and have a read there if you want. But also, um, we got a little shout-out and an introduction in a publication, or on an online publication at least, um, which is very dear to your heart. I know you are very excited about it, weren't you? Um, I was very excited about it. <laughs> yes, I was. Um, I mean, when you, think of, when you think of jazz media in the English-speaking world, your first thought uh, historically, and even today, is going to be downbeat. And, um, well, it was a long and... Uh, arduous journey to get through of them uh, for a lot of boring reasons, but we did it. We got through, and okay, they didn't write a long review like they do of some books or even some photo books. But what they did write was exceedingly 
uh, complimentary. And uh, no, Philip, no false modesty, man. I mean, I think that was aces, man. <laughs> to be in downbeat was like, for me, um, a, a heavy dose of validation, because especially knowing that how picky that they can be there, uh, again, it's some some back curtain stuff, but um, they, they are very judicious about what they write about these days um, and what they say about anything in the jazz-related world. So to get that that sort of very positive feedback from them um, and knowing that the audience that that they have worldwide is is just a thrill. Yeah, I got to be honest. I, I was I was gobsmacked, man. Well, talking of that, um, the U.S. distribution starts on the 26th of September. So U.S. and Canada, the book is coming there. I know for a fact there's 500 copies already on their way to the U.S. and Canada for distri- distribution around uh, those regions. And if they sell out, obviously, then hopefully there will be some more going there. So if you are a listener uh, over that side of the Atlantic from me and across the Pacific from James, do um, check uh, online. There's quite a few places now listing it as available. So you can pre-order the book or you can get it when it comes. But the way it's selling at the moment, I would be inclined to go for a pre-order rather than wait till it comes on there because you may miss out. And actually, talking about um, what you were saying there just about false modesty, that reminds me. So I remember, now that I follow your Instagram, <laughs> I, noticed, I noticed a couple of weeks ago that you seem to now be doing your own reviews of our podcast. Is that because there was a claim that this was the best episode ever? And I thought, is he now reviewing his own material just I, in advance of uh, other people listening to it? I, I thought that's that that's a slippery slope, I think. I, I wouldn't say it's re- reviewing and, and I, I wouldn't say that it was either false nor unearned modesty is... You know, Philip, as a, as a native New Yorker, I pride myself on just speaking in facts, and you know, we go. facts are Here facts, we go. and 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 uh, it's it's undeniable that uh, you know uh, that was a great episode. And uh, but but listen, uh, breaking breaking complimentary news for you, my friend. It wasn't the only happy thing that Uh-oh. happened this week. Um, of course, this will be a couple weeks in the past when most of our listeners are listening, but just about an hour ago. Here in Japan on the on InterFM radio, uh, the Barakan Beat radio program, longtime Japan resident Peter Barakan is a famous music journalist and host. He um, his guest today was our good friend from the Eagle Jazz Cafe, Gotosan, and uh, they were mainly talking about Gotosan's new book, which is uh, basically his picks of contemporary jazz releases. But um, people who follow us on Instagram will have seen that, you know, last week, Gotosan and I exchanged books. I gave him a copy of Tokyo Jazz Joints, and he gave me a copy of his new book. It was a really beautiful photo. I was so thrilled about it. And tonight, uh, not only did they mention us um, on the radio show, and this is a program listened to by people all around Japan, um, but some very complimentary words, something along the lines of, I don't know how they did it, but the photographs take unbeautiful jazz kisaten and make them beautiful. So very, very big kudos for you, my friend, as the photographer. Indeed, yeah. And if you want to know more about that, you can go to episode seven. There must be an angle playing with my heart where Philip talks about (laughs) how specifically he photographed the jazz kisa that you find in Tokyo Jazz Joints. And now from our sponsor. Anyway, James, that is a very nice compliment and very, very nice to hear. And actually, it's funny because it's I, I one thing I find fascinating about this project is how everything really links up. And uh, it's, it's so interesting that because someone was asking me this week, I, there's an interview coming out 
It's going to be in the South China Morning Post, actually, which is a big English language daily in Hong Kong. Uh, and uh, someone was asking me about that and, you know, the, the idea of, uh, you know, our jazz keys are stuck in the past. And I know like a lot of the things that we talk about and the raison d'etre for the project was this idea of preserving what's disappearing and so on. But it's really interesting to see not only those new places, but, um, you know, this focus by Goto-san on, on the contemporary jazz. And, and it just, it you know, it all kind of adds up because this week in the UK, famously then, uh, Ezra Collective mm. uh, won the, the Mercury Prize, mm-hmm. you know. So y- right. you kind of see these different threads and how, like, particularly now with social media and the internet, like, it's, there's ways of linking them up globally that perhaps, like, weren't always visible before. And so it does bode well certainly for the future um, of the the culture you know they actually were even talking about that and and they they did mention Godosan was talking about you know he's 76 years old now and he was saying that you know he realized about 10 15 years ago that so many of the jazz bars and jazz kisaten were basically just playing the same stuff okay stuff that we all love philip you and i've talked about this on many many episodes like yeah yeah never get tired of hearing some of these great records but but he did realize that you know that there's he was introduced to a whole bunch of contemporary albums by another journalist here famous music journalist nagida-san and so he started diving in and quite unusual because we do know a lot of jazz kisa owners that, that really don't do that and so when he put the book out you know even some of his customers were like wow i didn't know much of these people you know and so i, I thought it was a it was a really it was a really great development and and definitely something that that is important you know to, to keep the sort of jazz kisaten open but also evolving uh because honestly i mean again how many times can you play art blakey's moaning yes it's a great track we all love it but like i don't want to hear it every time i go to a jazz kisa you know yeah, exactly. I mean, I think what what amazed me, I noticed that the Kusunose san did a review of it on on the Jazz Kisa uh, feed, and I think what blew my mind because we often, you know, jest and, and make fun of some of these places for being very analog. We 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 have a particularly soft spot for the you know, late 90s, early 2000s uh, websites using word art and a <laughs> variety of colors that would uh, give you a headache if you looked mm. at them directly. But, but uh, you know, the fact that this book is out, and not only that, I think if I'm not wrong, there's QR codes in there uh, to link to Spotify and other platforms where you can find that music. And I mean, that just shows, you know, that's really vanguard stuff, isn't it, in terms of it, it's not pulling out a record off a dusty shelf, but mm. it's really a, a way of... of you know, connecting immediately because one thing reading about something, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, you know, when you've got the actual means, you know, in the palm of your hand to, to scan a code and go immediately to that oh, and listen yeah, to it, like, it, sure. you know, choose a real I, I do suspect forward a, thinking. A, a, some assistance probably from Goto-san's younger staff there. Um, but, you well, know, yes, perhaps. Um, but at the same time, yeah, I mean, it, it, it sort of made me think like, wow, okay. Um, you know, on my own podcast, I, I evolved over a while from stop playing all the just classic stuff to trying to get out there to get the new music as well. And and I want to keep doing that. And, and I think it's really important, especially for someone like him, who he's one of the, you know, I would say five most famous uh, jazz kisses in Tokyo is Eagle. It's been open for 55 years. Um, it's been heavily documented. A lot of people know him. So him putting out the book would probably reach a lot of old timer customers who otherwise wouldn't have really, you know, what would they know from the Ezra Collective or Shabaka Hutchings, right? <laughs> you know, or Kamasi Washington. Like they're just yeah, not, yeah, yeah. not going to know about these people. So definitely a great development for sure. Um, but Philip, we need to get back to the Kansai and especially uh, yeah. documenting our 
our trip. I was thinking the same. And and also, <laughs> I think we're like ten minutes we're in. Ten minutes in. It's, hey, <laughs> good, good crack, as you would say. But um, speaking of the contemporary uh, music landscape, we're going to be starting, <laughs> and again, the complete and polar opposite of anything contemporary. And uh, that is uh, a neighborhood in North Osaka. This was our our second day in town. So we'd already we've already documented on the last two episodes our very heavy first day in Osaka. So we woke up feeling a little bit under the weather. At least I did. And uh, where where did we go first? We hopped on the train at uh, Umeda. We took took a local train about what well, three four stops into the into the residential spots and neighborhoods. And uh, what was our first place for for a bite and a coffee? Well, funny enough, actually, yeah, and we we really went back and forward with this because you know anyone familiar with Japan or uh, well, I suppose specifically Japan, not not China, but when it comes to Chinese characters in particular, you know there are various ways of reading them, right? And less common ones, it's never quite clear. So we were back and forward a little bit on what this was called, but when we finally got there, we discovered it was called Ranzu. Uh, and um, this was a place that we, to me, this was a real day of discovery because, you know, some of the places the previous day, yeah, we, we kind of knew them and we knew what maybe to expect a little bit more. But particularly this day, I think there was a lot of just names on a list, right? And Ranzu was one place that I think you had mentioned had appeared somewhere online and there was, we had, we had the sense that there was like a couple of jazz albums on the wall, but like when we got there, actually we discovered just a very, very classic Japanese, ja uh, Japanese Kisa, like a coffee shop, which has the, uh, just the very Japanese uh, morning set, though, which, you know, can have a combination of different things. But I think we went for the, the simple option, which was a coffee and uh a big, big slice of very deep toast with like butter and honey or something like that. But it was a gorgeous place, wasn't it? Like really old oh, school neighborhood cafe. Absolutely wonderful. Yeah, it was, you know, it was uh, full of wood, uh, kind of old, the kind of old paintings that you see in, in uh, old offices and cafes all around Japan. Um, he had, I think the music playing wasn't very, very loud for the morning time. It was, it was just sort of there in the background, but you could see as well that he had some speakers and a couple of albums on the wall. So I would imagine that in the afternoon, it would be more jazz time and the morning is more European classical music time. And what's funny, Philip, I don't know if you remember this, is that I, I looked up, uh, you know how sometimes they've got framed, you know, when, when some local newspaper has written an article about the shop, you know, they'll get a copy and they'll put it up on the wall. And I noticed that, that they had a Twitter account. And then slowly kind of picked up That's that right. it was a it was a family run joint, and it seemed to be like the guy serving us was was at first it was the old guy was the father, but then the son was there too, and so you could sense that okay again we've seen this in other jazz cafes right we've talked about maybe the kids are helping out they make the new website they get on social media, so Ranzu Coffee at Mark Ranzu Underbar Coffee have a look <laughs> it is pretty interesting not many posts but there's some good pictures they only follow seventeen people and. More than half of them are jazz accounts, including Disc Union Jazz, the the the, the jazz shop, right? In okay, Japan, um, and a couple of other jazz related sites in Japanese. So I, I thought that that was pretty interesting, and then I remember when I tweeted about it, they gave me a like, and I thought, oh, for some reason that made me really happy that this <laughs> this little old classic cafe 
way in the outskirts of Osaka, you know, was somehow like online and, and, and was able to like understand that, oh yeah, we came there for a reason. We didn't just pop in for coffee randomly. Mm-hmm. Like, not the kind of neighborhood that, that many people would do that, let alone two random foreigners, right? So um, I yeah. thought it was really cool to communicate that way. And uh, so if you are in, in Osaka and you dig the old kisses, whether jazz or not, and if you're listening to the show, you obviously do. And I know a lot of people, um, a lot of our jazz kisa friends online, Philip, you know, they'll go to these places too for their morning a set of coffee and toast right so definitely yep, want to stop yep. by it wasn't one we counted on our list as technically a jazz joint we didn't ask to take any pictures um but it was one of those sort of in-between spots and a very good start to the day because obviously a lot of the other jazz kisses are not open at 8 30 in the morning yeah it's always handy sometimes you know we're, we're always thrilled when we um find somewhere like that because it does mean you can get cracking a little bit earlier um it actually opens at seven according to their uh that amazing kind of glass cabinet that they have downstairs with oh, seven. a lot of information wow. on okay. it yeah yeah seven okay. seven a.m and it closes at five thirty. so it's a it's a good length of a day um you know close to my heart because you can't get a bloody coffee in belfast <laughs> after about three o'clock but anyway that's a separate a separate episode <laughs> um we went from there and we, we ended up, we, we, I mean, it was very much a side, um, like a side journey because we went there and we immediately went back to the same station, which had this, you know, very familiar and slightly kind of sterile development in and around the the station. There was a, what they call a rotary where the buses come in and, and some apartment buildings and things like that. But I feel like from here, then we really entered the twilight zone because we, we went back to Kobe Station and then we, the next place on our hit list was was a place called Swingville. Now, again, look on a map, you think, well, it's not too far. But we did discover that we have to get a bus out there, right? We, we, we had no car this time, so we were reliant on public transport. And unlike a lot of the places, we thought, look, the, the best way here or the, the, the most efficient way at this time is to get a bus. So we went back to Kobe Station and we spent a few minutes running around like, manically right to, to to try and find this bus and eventually uh, one of these many people who stand with with high-vis clothing on uh, in and around train stations <laughs> in japan pointed us to to this the, the classic underground bus station and we ran around there and finally just luckily nobody seemed to know where this bus was but we got to the bus and when we got on it and i think from there it was just it was quite a surreal experience because you almost immediately when you come out of kobe station you go into a tunnel which lasts for a good i don't know maybe 10 minutes maybe 15 minutes and then when you come out of this tunnel you're just in complete countryside right so you've gone from like kobe city to just mm. The, the mid like feels like the middle of nowhere. Do you remember? Like we just came out. It was like oh, kind yeah. of a misty, wet yeah, morning, yeah. and 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 it's well, it's it's interesting because you know, Kobe is the port city in Western Japan. It's basically the Yokohama to Osaka's Tokyo. Okay, it's about twenty miles yeah. along the coast. It's it's it was where it was very international, uh, very international history. But the topography of it's interesting because it's it's along the coast in you know in a very narrow sort of slip, because right behind, right basically right behind the railway, which is running east to west, 
okay, is mountains. And so, like you yeah. said, we, we, we hopped on this bus, barely got there. Um, I do still remember other bus drivers in the station being exceedingly unhelpful and uninterested to let us uh, yeah, know where to go. It was just like, it was like, um, what, why, yeah. why does no one know, right? To, we were like, not, why not does no one know where this our, Not to denigrate our, our very good friends in the Kansai <laughs> region, but, but they were, uh, yeah, they were most distinctly uninterested in helping us. So we barely made it on. Um, and yeah, like you said, we, you know, you drive through this time and you come out and all of a sudden like you are over the mountains and you're still in Hyogo prefecture you're not very far distance wise from Kobe but you feel like you're in the country and so we're on this yeah. bus it starts to get a little bit winding um I was feeling how should we say Philip um a slight adult headache from the previous night's uh, activities, but nothing too bad. But I remember we didn't even have time to buy a drink. So all we'd had was our morning coffee, no time for the usual Aquarius or Pocari sweat sports drink to hydrate. So I was feeling quite a, quite a, uh, ready to get off that bus. And we finally arrived at a tiny, tiny bus stop. We get out, we walk along this country road, and we walk up to the first joint of the day, which is called Swingville. And I have in my notes uh, immediately, old, wooden, beautiful exterior, um, which is yeah. not something that we often say about Jazz Kisa 10, because usually most of the urban Jazz Kisa, the exterior, the exciting thing about outside is the sign. We love those great signs, but it's usually just a door or some you know building that's about to fall apart. But this was an absolutely beautiful structure, both outside and even better when we came in, because it immediately noticed the gorgeous wooden beams going across under the high, high ceiling. So you had all of these wooden beams and a long wooden counter and all these like wooden chairs. So immediately like, wow, we're not in the city. We are in the countryside, but swing your eyes a little bit to the right. And the guy has got, do you remember the little record room? I don't even call it a booth. It looked like a room. He had a record room with the glass window, similar to Coltrane, Coltrane. And it was massive. And Brooklyn, actually, it reminded me a lot of the, I think it was Brooklyn. Um, yes, there's Brooklyn a photograph yes, with a yes. Coltrane album. Yeah. And he had exactly that in that exactly that same place. Right. And then he would pop like a record that he was playing into that glass window. But actually when we came in and this is something I think I've ever seen in any of the places we've been, he wasn't pl actually playing music because on the outside, like of that building you described, which has a, almost like a sort of an alpine kind of chalet, like ski resort type feel. Mm. Very proudly, it um, proclaims the audio system. He has the speakers there, Altec uh, A5s of the Monterey horn, and then amp is Macintosh. So, you know, you think, well, yeah, you know, music is, is, is the key thing here, right? But when you go in, and I've never seen this before, but between the speaker system, he had... Uh, this TV up, do you remember? And it was playing the golf. And like, I've never seen that in any of the places <laughs> yes. we've been, like right yes. between the middle of the yes, speakers, yes, right? Yes, that's right. He had, that is exactly right. He had all of that information about his uh, his Altec, his Altec system. So obviously a lot of pride in it, but, but very interestingly, uh, the television was there and yeah, showing the golf, that, that maybe the golf wasn't that surprising, but, but the fact that he had it on, um, and he kept it on. I don't recall him turning it off. Of course he had it. He did eventually, actually. He did eventually, okay. because I think once once I started to take pictures, I got this sense, because I've got a couple of photos, got the golf, and then there's like an, an advert or something that I photographed. Mm. And then the rest of the photos, the screen is black. So he did at some point, I think he put on, oh, 
I do remember, but I don't, if you know what I mean. Mm. He did, I remember him putting on an album because we, we definitely talked about the album he played. It was either Bill Evans or Coltrane. I can't remember. Uh, no, it, was, it wasn't or was Bill it? Evans. It was, was it, it Miles? It, it was Miles Davis. Yeah, it was Miles. That's I think it, it yeah. was Miles at the, the, um, the second quintet sort of uh, era live. The What is it called? The Plug Nickel, I think it was. I don't know. I usually write these things oh, maybe, down. Yeah, I, don't, yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't have it in my notes for some reason. But um, Well, you but were feeling just, a bit delicate. Come on, man. <laughs> I was trying to get that second coffee in Aquarius. And Hands were shaking <laughs> too much to write. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, but that's right. So he, he did have that, that beautiful, beautiful record room. Um, I remember he was sitting outside at, at, at his computer doing whatever, you know, accounting. And then then I started, you know, when I was looking around, I noticed that there were there was a whole wall of signs advertising because they do live music there and they do other events and stuff because it's a big place. Remember, it's a countryside. So I, I have in the notes that, uh, that it can fit about 30 people uh, probably pretty easily. And um, a lot of the posters, I noticed they had that really sort of Japanese, almost manga style of caricature pictures, yeah, yeah, in, yeah. including pictures of him, uh, the owner, uh, Sakai-san, and then pictures of some of younger people who may have been staff or whoever else uh, was there. And and then I noticed that that the, the woman who was working there, and I, again, I have in the notes here, it says... Extremely funky looking staff woman must be the artist of these caricatures. <laughs> now, I don't know if that's true or not, but she was definitely right, styling. Yeah. Uh, again, on a Saturday morning in a village in Hyoga Prefecture, she was rocking a fit that, that easily could have been seen in Harajuku or outside Yoyogi Park on a Sunday morning. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, she yeah. was really styling. And, and I could tell she was kind of looking at us like, what are you guys doing here? You know, but, um, but they were really really friendly. Um, Sakai-san talked to us for quite a bit, I remember, at least about 10, 15 minutes. And and then, Philip, do you remember how um, it's just another beautiful moment that we seem to run into a lot of times where, you know, when you first come in, maybe people are a little bit hesitant or cautious. Who are you? What do you want? Do you speak Japanese? And by the time you leave, all their just innate kindness comes out. And, um, and can you can you remember what they did when we left? Oh, yeah, yeah. But before we leave, I just think it's worth mentioning the food, right? Because you're talking about those menus, but they were actually highlighting like a pretty extensive menu, right? And I think we often talk about, you know, you sound like you're on a cash register there. What are you up to? What are you beeping at? I, I had to put my fan on. You're playing with that. Not the air con. You're playing with that fan. <laughs> it's, it's the fan fan because I'm going to die. Sorry. Just one more fan, right? Um, yeah, I mean... The, the the menu is extensive, and I think you know, we often talk about how these you know these jazz keys don't make money, and it's not and like we off you know we joke famously about you you not eating in them. But actually, I think when you go to some of the places, and this applies to the ne the one we're going to next after Swingville as well, you know, in certain areas, particularly somewhere like this where it's out on a road. And other than houses, it's, it's you know, every so often there's a restaurant or a kombini or a petrol station or something like that. You know, they probably do a decent trade, right? There was very much like a sense of a lunch service getting ready to kick off. A bit like Jazz mm. on Top. Mm -hmm. um, you know, people drive there. They're coming there for lunch. And, like, it, it's a pretty tidy-looking menu, you know? So um, they, they probably do okay out of it. You know, it's ostensibly, yes, a jazz, jazz bar, jazz 
coffee shop, depending on whatever the times are. I, I found that um, it's it's actually my vo- funny Valentine Miles Davidson concert, that Columbia one. That's oh, I just found a, okay. a picture so, yeah, not, of you staring second, at it. So. Okay, so that would have been yeah, that's the George Coleman era, in between the the, the Coltrane and then the the second quartet. Okay, mm. that's right. I knew it was something so, along those um, lines. Yeah, t- Philip, typical of you to focus in on the menu, which probably had. N- I would say not a single thing that I would order on there by choice, but yeah. Well, no, there's there was toast. Well, let, let, let me okay. let me test that out. Let me test yeah. that out. Right. <laughs> I'm so looking we've at got, it right um, now on the website. We've got I'm farm. Not... We've got farm tomatoes. Uh, well, right? yeah, that's sounds fair. good, right? Yeah, yeah. We've that's... got um like a a loaded tomato pasta with salad and bread. I mean that seems nice, right? Okay, okay. Yeah. We, We've got um, like a vegetable. Is that a vegetable hamburg, which is sort of a version of a hamburger oh, no, no, you get no, in Japan no, no, with no, salad no, and soup? Now we're out. Hamburg no? equals roast uh, equals meatloaf, and it's absolutely nauseating. Yeah, it's just. Oh. What about um, oh, what about God. a curry? Is that a curry curry chicken? Is that what about like a crisp, sort of a crispy kind of chicken? Would you be into that kind of thing? That's that's you might. Uh, you see, you see. If we're desperate, yeah, okay. I mean, that might have been a good thing for you to eat, the, the the mess you were in, because we did, I think, we were actually a little early, so we, we sort of hung around the doorway for a few minutes. I remember nipping well, I, off to I, get yeah, so, well, I remember a bottle the, the, of something. The, the staff lady was getting the kitchen ready when we came in. And so I think, yeah, as, yeah. You, as you said, it's definitely a place that probably like in another hour, locals and then the people coming specifically for the jazz would probably come in and they would be serving. Yeah, because there was definitely a lot going on in that kitchen while we were while we were there. So there was a lot of preparation. So so as a lunchtime spot. And then then at, at night as well, because not only did they seem to have uh, a lot of live sessions, um, there were also a lot of sort of like, it seemed to me like local drinking, I don't know what you'd call it, I guess like listening parties. Like people could basically like rent out the place. You know what I mean? So yeah, prob- yeah. probably yeah. regulars who maybe want to have like a particular session um, could do what they call kashikiri in Japanese, where you just rent it out privately, you pay like a fee, and then you set whatever menu you want. And um, and because it is a little bit of, you know more spacious, that would be a great spot to have a little party or a listening session. You know, um, and yeah, they do they do seem to do about live pretty much every Sunday, and then some Saturdays and Fridays as well. So it's a very active place. Um, obviously part of the community. And, and I just thought it was, I thought it was absolutely lovely because it was one of those that I think I, you put that in our list. I didn't have this on my list. I didn't know about Swingville because of the address being in Hyoko Prefecture. I guess when I was looking at Kobe, it didn't come up, even though it's fairly close. Yeah, yeah. So, and it wasn't one that my Kansai friends had told me about either. So I'm wondering if maybe it's it's in some ways not that famous. Um, you don't see much about it written by any of the sort of like Japanese jazz Kisa people that we all follow online. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know anybody that's actually been there. So uh, you know, but again, not not an excessively long bus ride if you're prepared for it. It's just that we we didn't know where we were going. You know, and um, yeah. It felt long, I think, cause just because it was such a manic rush to get there. And then you come out of that tunnel and you're like, oh, come on, you know. But, I mean, we have you have Google Maps, you have a rough idea of where you mm. are. But when you go out there, you immediately start thinking, right, this getting back is going to be a nightmare. Because, you know, we were running about to get that bus because there's one an hour or whatever, you know, the mm. timetable was. And so you're immediately thinking, right, how do we time this, you know, so 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 that you get it you know you get the bus back without waiting for an hour unnecessarily but 
Luckily enough, we managed to figure out the trains and actually came back that but came back that way. But you mentioned that random act of kindness. And I at first I wasn't, but then I, I actually have a picture of you chatting to the owner. And uh yeah, again, one of those incredible things because I was across the road uh photographing the building. Um it was drizzling a bit, um, and we had a, a short walk to the station. Uh and incredibly this man chased you out, right? Uh, well, not they, because they, you haven't paid they, the bill. They, they but... both did. Yeah, they both both of both the the owner and the the woman who who works there. Um, they both ran out with umbrellas to give us. And I think I mean, well, Philip, you know, I've been in Japan for so long. I just went on full Japanese mode, like, oh no no no, it's fine, don't worry, it's no problem. Um, but they insisted, and I think I think she even cracked a joke, like, oh no no, like you see that side like little shed we have there. We probably got like 50 of them because people leave them. That's you know, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we were kind of like, oh, okay. You know, that that in that case, we'll take them. And they were they were fairly in good shape. Uh, they weren't like the plastic uh, combini type umbrellas. But but I don't know, Philip, I would imagine being from Ireland um, and, and me having been in Japan for so long where it rains constantly, I can't stand when people use umbrellas when it's just drizzling. It, it drives me absolutely nuts because it blocks oh. up the streets you can't walk it's just like it's barely raining can you stop acting like we're in the middle of a hurricane you know i, I really hate that so i was totally fine to walk to the station without the umbrella but b- because they were so insistent i felt like oh okay we better we better take it and i, I don't actually even know did it last the day did we even get those back to us? Oh no, I think it, it went it went off by the time we were back in Kobe. But it's it's nice to know that about you. I'll I'll bear that in mind in the future. I mean, you really are an onion, aren't you? There's just so many layers to peel back, <laughs> and and even after all these years, we're still learning so much about well, each other. Or at least that, that I'm learning stuff a about you, Philip. I mean, one of our one of our greatest hits is is your extreme jealousy over my raincoat that I prepared when we were in Kyushu and and, and I'm not sure I'm not sure where that fits so, in right where does so that fit a, in with this well, anti-umbrella it, it wasn't an umbrella I, I wear a raincoat and then I just take it off so anyways after Swingfield okay. we get back to Kobe and right. where do we, we do. go next well we go to this actually I think the second of three uh, places called Mokuba that we certainly have covered. One we've correct. covered in Guma, um, yes. very famous, uh, famously connected uh, in many ways to the um, legendary Tachibana album by the Aizawa Toru uh, Quartet, released or re-released uh, on BBE Records as part of their J Jazz Masterclass series. But um, and we're going to talk about another place uh, in a couple of episodes time that we went to separately. But this one, we did go together. And I think this is one of my favorite signs because when you get there, there's, there's quite a few signs, like so many of these jazz kisa. But um, when you get there, uh, there's one just as you're coming in on the door and it's just painted in these beautiful colors and very simplistic. And it has the word mokuba in, in kanji. And then it just says provides jazz since 1977 <laughs> and i just think i mean that that what a beautiful definition right just providing jazz i mean it's, it's, that's what it does um, right yeah everything about mokuba in kobe uh i think was so beautifully put together whether it was the sign i love the font 
Um, the stairwell that leads up to it, which has, it seems to be covered in, in flowers with an old style sort of European lantern. Very, very much European sort of aesthetic to Mokuba. Yeah, interior. very much you so. You know, kind of your your Viennese tea salon or, or whatnot. But uh, with the jazz posters, with the vinyl and the audio, the great audio system, actually. Um, so you could sense, and 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 I think that because when we went there, Philip, it's Saturday afternoon, um, you know, on a nice day, it was pretty packed with people having tea and coffee. Really um, busy, yeah, really busy, and food. I think you know, it was yeah. it was a busy spot. So it was a little difficult to. We had to wait probably a little longer than usual. I think I have in my in my notes that, you know, waiting around to ask about taking pictures. But once we sort of figured out, and, and also because it seemed to be that there was like four different staff members in there, and I couldn't tell exactly who we should speak to. There seemed to be two guys that could have been the owner, but you weren't quite sure. And then eventually sort of narrowed down the younger of the two, and he immediately took me to the older guy who was obviously the older. That's right. He sort of emerged from the kitchen, didn't he, this older guy? And as soon as you saw him, you were like, what was I even thinking? Of course, he's the owner, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so I started to do you know, my usual spiel with him. And immediately I just told him, I said, oh, you look, you know, we came down from, from Tokyo area and we were going around and we, you know, we've been here, here and here. And he was just like, Oh, no problem. Of course, please take whatever pictures you like. Just, you know, the usual, just don't don't take pictures of the customer's faces, you know? And, Which was really um, hard, actually, because there wasn't much space. So we, we got tucked in. It was a good mm. seat. Like, you know, we got tucked in up by the counter and uh, right next to the sound system, which is kind of tucked into a corner. It's almost like you get the sense that that was always there and then the cafe's been kind of developed around it. So, you know, there's there's a, a, a kind of a dividing wall where the table we, we were sitting at, and then there's other tables on the other side of that. So it's not necessarily like set up in the way you would maybe expect, but it does have that sense of it. It's developed beyond just being a jazz quesa to being more of like a neighborhood, like tea shop, restaurant place and they had like quite a serious selection of drinks as well if i remember correctly oh yeah well you know all the various coffees uh and teas um including uh a cake set which i don't recall ordering for some reason because usually i would be right on the the orange cake or cheesecake i'm not sure why we missed that um but you did order the the house specialty which is their homemade lemonade that they that they bottle and they actually sell to take out, um, which was, I don't think I've seen that before. We've seen jazz joints that sometimes like people have made their own liquor. I don't think I've ever seen anybody make lemonade before. Lemonade doesn't seem like a very Japanese drink to me. So that was a real surprise. Well, I bet you can't remember the tagline of the uh, Mokuba's homemade lemonade. I've just discovered it here on the photo. Again, the, gen the, the value of zooming in on a photograph. Get ready for this one. <laughs> Music is the mediator between the spiritual and the sensual life. Oh, fabulous. Oh, wait, so there you of, go. of course that's a, that is, well, skipping to the end, as we, as we left Mokuba, you got a couple bottles of the lemonade and I couldn't resist getting one of the tote bags and the, the tote bag has the lo the slogan on it. There yes. you go. There you That's go. Right. right. There you that go. is right. Yeah. Oh, wow. Absolutely beautiful, beautiful spot. And, and probably, um, and I don't mean this in, in, in a negative way at all. 
it's a, it's a jazz kisa that people who are maybe not used to going to the really deep spots uh, because of grime and smoke and volume um, would be very comfortable in. You know, because it is, it is very, very, it's spotlessly clean. It's, it's very beautiful and it is very welcoming because they run it. They don't run it like you could tell right away. They don't run it like the, the usual jazz kisa. Like you walk in, you immediately get the, which is like the Japanese shop greeting. So it's quite formal. They, they tell you to wait a second and then they will seat you. You don't go in and just grab whatever seat you want. Like you do in some jazz joints, you know? Um, so it's, it's run very much like this kind of like, you know, tea salon or high class coffee shop, but the music is great. The sound is great. And yeah, all around, just, just a top notch and a very, what I found out a little bit later on, Philip was, um, so it dates to 1977, but apparently the, the owner's, sort of presence in the jazz world in Kobe. And Kobe is a great jazz town. Always have a live, they've always had like a live street festival, tons of Kisa back in the day. Um, apparently his presence predates that by even even further. So so it's got that connection to the local history. And, and like I said, the key knew, I, when I was rattling off the names of the places we'd been and the places we were going, Every single one, he was like, ah, so this, Emi said this, he's like, yeah, oh, that's a great spot. Oh, I know that guy's my good friend. You should tell him I sent you, <laughs> all of that, you know? And so so it was really, again, another sort of surprise because I didn't have, all I had on my list was Mokuba in Kobe, another one. Didn't know anything about the place. And like you mentioned, that's, yeah, the, third, yeah. that's the third one. And in fact, there was there was even another one that had closed previously in Tokyo years ago, decades ago. So obviously Mokuba, a very important common name. And uh, But yeah, easily the equal to the others. Just just love the joint. Yeah, great spot. And and you mentioned there about the, the sort of style. I mean, Kobe does have that sense, a bit like Yokohama. There's certain streets feel a little bit more European-y and the style of the shops mm. are quite... There's just like that sense of it having a slightly different history. But luckily for us, then, when we left Mokuba, there's a couple more tucked in and around um, the station area. Now, the, uh, by this point, it's about lunchtime. So we, we actually managed to get to another couple um, oh, well, before I would say, we I took would a say, I would say it's even a little later than that. It's probably about two, I would guess. Um, yeah, well, just looking at the photos here, they're tagged oh, around and, that time. But we, we timestamps, of course. Yes. Well, hang on. Let, let me let me just check because I don't want you to be upset. So hang on. Let me just see. <laughs> on, on the stair on the staircase, it was one forty two. So look, we'll split the difference, right? Okay. It, was, it was quarter to two. But but um, yeah. But I mean, we had a couple more places to go, um, and then um, we kind of just um, we kind of slipped into the evening, really, and um, we're. Already a, a, a fairly uh, long way into this episode, and we've got quite a bit to cover. So the next place, the next ne next two places we went, um, the first of the two certainly was unknown to us. And actually, I think, as you said, the owner uh, of Mokuba knew a lot of people, and I think he gave us a name. But yes, he, we were he, disabused. He said, uh, "Yeah, Konishisan from Mokuba." He said, "When you get to to the next joint, which was called Voice, uh, tell them that." that you were here and you were talking with me. Yeah. And so we were, but we were disabused. We were like, great. Yeah. But we were disabused of any of those notions, I think, because first of all, it, it's inside a shopping complex type, an old fashioned shopping complex and it's up on the second floor. So we wandered 
quite a bit to try and find it, but any sense, <laughs> any sense of breezing in there to take some pictures, chat with the owner was gone very quickly, right? Great as soon as there. we found Bre- it. Breezing is a, a very apt word there, uh, Philip. Um, uh, if only there was a breeze. Okay, God. I, I'll tell you what, let's, let's, let's have a little contest. Let's see who can describe it better. I'll, I'll start. Um, and I'm not talking about the shop or the decor or the records or anything else. I'm just going to talk about when you walk into voice, it's it's what I imagine. Um, now, I, I, I don't recall this in the States, but I've been in Japan a long time. Sometimes in Japan, you'll be in a, a real old drinking den. They don't even put ashtrays on the table. They just put like a, like a, a metal barrel under the, the table the where you're standing and drinking really cheap beers or sake. And that 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 barrel will be full of cigarette butts, okay, that have been just like piling up for weeks and weeks, okay? So it's got an incredibly strong stench. So walking into voice was, was for me pretty much the equivalent of sticking your head all the way down into one of these giant ashtrays. I've never, and, and listen, man, People, there are places in Japan with ferocious amounts of smoking when you walk in the bars, right? I've never experienced any place that was like this. I mean, I think my eyes started to burn within seconds of walking in this joint. That's a pretty good description. I'm going to go a bit simpler. I'm going to say it was like walking into a 1970s tobacco factory that was on fire. It was so, it was so, it was so suffocating. I mean, it's in a shopping center, it's in a closed space, and everyone, everyone was smoking. And like, we had been to Bird 56 the night before, so... And anyone, you know, if you, you go to Japan, a lot of places still smoking, smoking is still allowed inside. You know, I've lived in Ireland now for quite a few years, which famously was the first place to have a smoking ban in pubs and restaurants. And so you realize very quickly when you're back in a smoky environment, how used you are to not having that environment when mm. you're eating or drinking. Mm. And to walk, but to walk into voice was like a whole new level. I mean, it was... I mean, it was just <laughs> suffocating, right? I mean, like just, it was so, just, so even, bad. I don't even know what to say. I mean, listen, we've been to we've been to so many jazz joints, Philip. So many, and and a lot of them now have you know converted to non-smoking, or they make the effort to at least open a window, put in a fan, go stand in the corner, whatever. I mean, not only was it like that, but it was a big place because it, unexpectedly in the middle of this huge shopping arcade, but it was a fairly big place. I, I have down in, mm. in, in, in written down in my notebook here, um, can seat about 40 people max. So it's pretty big. And it was almost full when we went in there. And I would say uh, almost every single person, including the owner, was puffing away. And it was as if there was just not a single like millimeter of ventilation in this place. It was again just just beyond belief. And it, it's you know unfortunately it kind of overwhelmed the experience because you know I, I remember looking at the, they had a huge wall of vinyl which I think both of us did get some pictures of. Um, they had a lot of framed albums, including some some very recent um, releases that they had like sort of taken the jacket and framed it. Um, quite a lot of vocal albums, so I know that you would have dug that. But you know, in addition to the in addition to the lunchtime crowd, and maybe again, this could have been a function of it being Saturday, the location where it is in this gigantic shop, old 
school shoten guy shopping arcade and people having lunch so they had the great alt another altec lansing speaker setup but the volume was very very low and so it was much more of kind of a lunchtime crowd of people. everybody was talking very loudly um including the owner i remember the owner was telling some very long convoluted story in the osaka dialect to two of the customers who were cracking up hysterically um which was cool to see because it made you feel like oh okay this is like a local place it's very warm um they were very warm welcoming us in as well um so we sat down we ordered our coffee and um but i think I i've got written down here left after 17 minutes i don't even know if it was that long Philip. i remember i think you, you drank you drank half your coffee and you're like james i, I can't man like I, I gotta take the picture i mean i also had here. so many coffees at that point probably <laughs> but i mean i i'm just actually i made a few notes on some of these places and i'm just looking at mine and it just says voice and the second bullet point is smoke beyond belief so <laughs> so i mean spare a thought as well for, for spare a thought for another bullet point on my uh, list which is goldfish I mean, spare a thought for the goldfish swimming about in that. In there's a goldfish in there that was behind you, just swimming about in a bowl. And <laughs> I would say it's it's unlikely that that goldfish is still swimming around in circles. I would say because I forgot the goldfish. The, yeah, oh, that goldfish must man. be must be a heavy smoker at this that point, is... just passively, if nothing else. But yeah, I mean, like it, it's one of those places where I think it was really disappointing because for me, in the sense of you know you you're on a roll and you want to get some photographs, but from a photography point of view, you know, I think there's a point where I just, ha you have to say, look, this is not going to happen, right? You know, mm. we almost got ushered into this um, little corner seat from which you could have probably got a few photographs, but we mm. did miss that. And then, you know, that, that there was a chance to take the speakers and then before, before you knew it, uh, someone was sitting there. And that was definitely an aspect of that 17 minutes that we spent there because it, the turnover was unbelievable because when we came in, there was only mm. a couple of tables. When we left, the, the, they had flipped over the sign um, which said, uh, which said, you know, uh, fully, fully seated, like there's no seats left. So people were waiting for seats. But also there was a real sense of that neighbourhood like a, a pub or a bar, like all the regulars were sat at the counter. Mm. It was all kind of, oh, what have you been up to this week? And mm, oh, did that, mm, that get mm. sorted out? And it was very much like a familiar familiarity, you know, it, to, and, and it was to great. the conversation. I, mean, I, I think if, you know, under different circumstances, like I, I would have loved to have, you know, because Philip, when we left, I remember it was, it was, uh, I, I don't know if it was the owner's wife or not, but the, the woman sort of manager, she came and uh, did, did did register for us, but then then sort of the the, the guy came over as well very briefly, and then I I just kind of just kind of shouted at him like, oh you know Konichi-san from Okuba sent us over here. We go around, you know, we go to jazz cafes. We were going around, and he had a huge smile on his face. And I don't know if you caught that. He actually said like, oh you know, yes, yeah, sorry you came at this time. It's just very crowded at this time of day. You know, if you come back a bit later, you know. Maybe we can have a chat, and I was thinking, like, yeah, not very likely, man. But uh, but yeah, that was part of the, yeah. that was part of it. Like getting there at that time, you know, on a Saturday, that location, that time of day, um, you know, we just we just didn't know. In retrospect, it seems obvious, but like we didn't know that it would be that packed, and we wouldn't really get the chance to to move around. There was, it was impossible to really move around to take any pictures, you know. Um, oh, so, yeah. it was impossible. Yeah, I mean. Also, you could you could bet you would have to sort of get down on your hands and knees and feel along the wall um, because of the smoke anyway. So, like, but uh, you tell you what was interesting, and again, yeah, this this like is a this is episode. a 
<laughs> exactly right so <laughs> this was this was um you know this was kind of um this is probably a, a um dereliction of judy on my part but one thing that we did know you, you talked about the vocal uh thing but it wasn't actually and this was a really interesting thing which probably one of us at least needs to look up was that when we had a look around, I remember noticing and saying to you that the albums that you're talking about, the framed ones that were vocal, they were by someone called Carol Sloan. It mm-hmm. wasn't like it was Ella and Billy Fitz, uh, Ella Fitzgerald and Billy Holiday or whatever. It was this person called Carol Sloan. And I have to say, I'm not familiar with who that is or, you know, looking at the covers, there's a kind of a, a, an Anita O'Day vibe about them, but... I just don't know, but it well, seemed okay. to be for whatever reason. A, a, a very a very quick look shows that she only recently, earlier this year, passed away. She was born in 1937. She's from Rhode Island. She recorded on Concord. That makes sense. Concord had a lot of vocalists. Okay. Uh, also on Columbia. Um, and it says that she had early success, but uh, struggled with what looks to be personal issues. Um, right. Okay. Hmm. So, oh, but then she, she, then she had a midlife comeback. And so my guess would be, uh, without looking too much right here, my guess would be in her comeback, if she was recording on Concord, Concord had great distribution here in Japan, I believe. So it's very likely that she would have come over here, maybe, maybe during that sort of comeback years, you know? Um, and then, yeah, well, she had quite a lot of difficult, oh, quite a lot of difficulties. Oh, here we go. By 1987, Miss Sloan was working steadily again. She found a new audience in Japan. So there we go. There you go. Yeah. Amazing. Nice. So typically, again, one of those, just another classic example of how, you know, people that either were struggling in their own country or, you know, taste had changed or whatever, found that new audience. And um, yeah, so obviously whatever reason or whatever the connection was, anyway, voice, this was definitely like the only, the the, the photograph that I have just from my seat on the phone is, is um, there's three framed uh, albums on the wall and all three of them are Carol Sloan. So, mm. you know, there must've been some specific connection with, that place, whether yeah, it was, I, I, or I'm guessing she you know. she probably like like we saw in so many Kisaten around the country, maybe in that that sort of comeback period for her in the '80s, the the cafe would have been involved in sort of setting up the Kobe Jazz Festival. You know what I mean? We know like a lot of the cafe owners were involved in doing a lot of that promoting um, and producing of gigs in the regions in Japan. So so maybe yeah. something like something like that where they got to know her and knew her personally, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, something something if we ever do if I ever do get back there, I would love to ask. Because yeah, you're right. Like, you know, Philip, you and I listen to a lot of jazz, man. And and even with joking about me not being a big vocals fan, I know all the names and I didn't know who that was. You know, like yeah, I, I'd it's, never, it's never even amazing, heard of her. isn't it? Yeah, but, yeah. but that, you know, that does show, like, the, you know, one more time, like the, the audience here, of course, you know, like we mentioned all the people who love, you know, Monk and Blakey and Coltrane, but there are deep, deep fans of a lot more obscure jazz artists here in Japan, and people will collect them. So that's, that's actually a really cool thing to note about, uh, about voice. Yeah. 
top spot and definitely if you were back in Kobe you would go back I think to, to photograph it you'd probably have to to try and get in after hours you know um, or before it opened but I don't know if you remember we came out and um, we lingered around a bit trying to um, I mean it was incredible because even then just trying to photograph the outside and um, people were just in the way in, in, <laughs> yes you were you were, just, you were just dying trying to breathe but but you know like people were people kept walking in front as, you, as I was photographing um, because they were trying to get in. So it was just, yeah, it was amazing yeah. how busy it was. But I don't know if you remember as well, you mentioned the record, but actually there was, it was part of the same building, but there was actually a separate door next to voice it was also glass uh, door and window that had, that there was a side room that was full of records. And what it seemed like also was that they repaired audio equipment there. Do you remember there was like oh, a, a collection yes. of amps and different bits and pieces, right? Yes. Yes. That's, that's right. I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah. I, but it was kind of, it, it was, it was kind of connected to the shop, wasn't it? Yeah, no, no, it was, it was the same, like it was as if you went in that, if you if you went in that door and you turned yeah. left at the end of the room, it's like you would have come out in the, in the counter of voice, right? So mm. it was all connected for sure. But I think what struck me is that it just looks, even though it's an old place and even mm. though like it may not survive, you know, a fire, but it, you know, it, it's, um, it, it seems like a very active place. Like there's a lot of boxes on the floor that like are taped up and have, mm. uh, you know, packaging notes on them. There wasn't a sense of like it being a place that it was, it was so active and so, oh, so vibrant, yeah. I think, despite the smoke. Right? Well, checking the website, it says that jazz selected from over 7,000 records in always on. That's a little bit challenging English there. Um, we've got the Altex system. Uh, we've got the, the vacuum tube drive by half not. And oh my God, Philip. Okay. Now I'm definitely taking you back there. There is a separate link on the website called Dear Old Curry. Wow. And you can yes. get Savoy Curry. Now you're talking. Yeah. Now, how good would that taste with the fragrant aroma of um, 10,000 cigarettes and a Japanese curry? I'm there. Right? I'm there. Yeah, I'll meet you across the street at the Chinese place because that is just nauseating again. Oh, my God. Who, who would be so degenerate to order a curry rice in the midst of this, like, of this this living ashtray. I mean, it's just astonishing that people do that. Probably, and I mean, probably a, sm a heavy smoker probably would be, but oh. yeah, I mean, it. You know, look, it might be worth it. Just we could we could maybe do a live stream and 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 film that. I mean, I'm conscious we probably talked for about 17 minutes um, about voice, which is nearly as long as we spent there due to the um, <laughs> the, the clean alpine atmosphere. Oh. I hope we're not at this stage of the podcast where I hope we're not in a sort of a 1970s prog rock uh, phase of the podcast where we're just letting it all sort of bleed out into far too long an episode because I, I think we thought this was going to be relatively short. I Looking at the counter, we're up to about I think, an hour already. I, I, I so think, I think we might need to do some live decision-making here and maybe say we'll... Uh, because we do have three more places to talk about. Um, a couple, well, one in, in, in Kobe and two in Osaka. So I would, I would probably... Um, and this is definitely going to be edited out, but I, I would say maybe we should. What what time are we at now? We're I'm a, I've got fifty. I knew you know minutes. what I've got fifty six. I minutes knew already? Jesus. I knew as soon as I started all that one three days four parter thing, I knew I was going to regret <laughs> it, and here we are now. <laughs> 
Now I've got to go and find the words four parter in well, all you, the if you, uh, if you, if you in just all the other edits. If you hadn't spent like the first ten minutes just patting ourselves on the back with all of these damn compliments. Like if you if you just gotten straight into it, I think we would have been okay. But I mean, we went a little off. The rails, well, look, so. I I would suggest. I would suggest um, that we keep going, you know, lungs, lungs aside, I suggest we keep going from voice and then we can make those decisions down the line. So, mm-hmm. look, we went to voice. We survived voice just although, you know, we haven't had a medical check since. And then um, we went to a place that um, we have actually talked about. Now, I think if I'm not mistaken, I think it was your first time, but I went like mm. quite a long time ago because I happened to be in Kobe probably not massively long time into the project um, and it was the same time that I went to Goodman and Jam Jam mm-hmm. and um, this place was called Java and it's a really interesting place because when I photographed it then um, and this is documented uh, in more detail on the on, on a previous episode I think it's episode seven but you know there's only really a photograph of the outside and the uh, inside. And I always find the photograph of the outside kind of fascinating. It, it's in the book. And it, it to me, it almost looks, there's something almost unreal about the photo. It looks like a like it's a, a prop or a set or like a, a facade or something like that. But when I went in that back then, which must have been, I don't know, maybe 2016 around then, um, I did ask permission to photograph and was given permission only to photograph the the stereo system. And actually to the point where my camera was checked to make sure that I hadn't taken any other photographs. Now, when we went back this time, it was a similar policy, wasn't it? Now, we didn't actually ask this time about photographing mm. or really talk to anyone that was there. There was a man this time, and I remember previously there was two older women who seemed like they maybe sisters mm-hmm. um, that were running it. But do you remember just quite how th- there was a lot of signs, wasn't there? Like no recording, no photographs. It was very, very strict, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, okay. So you're right, Philip, that you had been there. And I remember you telling me about it, that the, that the two, yes, I think they are sisters, the old gals there. They, they, wouldn't, they were kind of like, oh, you know, it's really messy. So just take a picture of this one spot, you know, or these two spots, you know. Um, Java is, and, and I had never been there because on my previous trip to Kobe, uh, for whatever reason, I, I didn't make it, which is uh, unusual. I don't know why, because they're pretty much always open. Um, Java is old. It, it, it first opened in 1953. So that makes it one of the oldest remaining jazz kisa. Um, it's a fairly big place, but it's under the train tracks. And, you know, remember we were talking about Kobe. Kobe runs along the coast, east to west. Okay. So the JR line and then Sanomia station is sort of like one of the main stations where, you know, a lot of the shopping and the restaurants, a downtown area. So there's so many different shops located under the tracks, you know, and you hear the trains running by above. But when you walk into Java, it's a narrow entry, but it goes deep towards the back and it's split level as well. It's got uh, it's got a whole bunch of like, you know, old posters and, and, and artifacts on the wall, including some really cool movie posters from the 1950s. Java was in a famous movie uh, in 1958 in Japan called Mayaku Sango, which was sort of about street youths and whatnot. And basically, like, you, you feel it when you walk in. It is really, really old. And I don't, I don't want to call it decrepit, though, because it is kept in fairly good shape. But, you know, it's dark. Um, it definitely needs a couple, you know, some new furniture. And, and what, Philip, this is strange. I don't know why this stuck out to me so much, but... 
the front of Java, where the actual two old gals and the old guy were, like a sort of a counter where the register is, was really, yeah. really cramped. Do you remember? Like it's like really cramped and all three of them were behind there sort of like fumbling with each other to get receipts and money and teacups and stuff. It was very unusual. It's baffling. It's a baffling place, and I'm still fascinated by it because when you go in past the the big audio system or the the big this huge cabinet, um, there's a cup. There's a few little tables, and then it's fenced off. And what what what's even more kind of like teasing about it is that a couple of times one of the staff went under the the rope and go in the back and it feels like there's an (laughs) even bigger bit in round the back like (laughs) there's another whole bit at the back with like a piano and stuff right like so and you're like okay first of all like what is in there how can i get in there and you know why why are why and and i actually wondered you see then i wondered the recording thing was more to do with it it almost looked like that was a live bit with a stage and maybe the recording was about no recording of the of the not not specifically java itself although my experience was that a few years ago, but it was it was like as if they were having, you know, uh, gigs out the back and then the signs were like to not, you know, um, it, but, but photograph makes, them or something. But I, it, I don't really know. But it really makes no sense because it's, it's Saturday afternoon. People are like crowded in. There was even towards that little stairwell in the back. These people came in. It looked like they'd just come from a wedding. And it was like seven or eight of them, you know what I mean? Like, and they had to put two tables together for them. So clearly a lot of people coming in. So why would you close off that little second floor area? Um, You know, again, I can't emphasize this enough. The three people running it, average age had to be above 80, okay? So I can totally understand maybe they want to keep a certain limited number of seats. Because if the place was full, it might be just too hectic. You know, you'd have to be running back and forth. It could be a little much of them. I I don't know. Um, They didn't give off the vibe of being the most friendly people we've met (laughs) in any cafes. But Philip, this is really really interesting because uh, they don't have a website that goes without saying. I'm looking at the Jazztown Kobe website. And for Java, it looks as if they took pictures with I mean, 500 watt bulbs on in the joint, which is completely not what it's like when you walk in there because it's very dark, you know? So I'll send you this link later. You check it out. So obviously they had these photos taken of the place when it was empty, which are sort of semi-professional looking. And it's really, really bright. And it makes it look like it's, oh, wow, what a bright, cheery place with plants, which is completely not representative of what it feels like. I mean, I still really loved it. I loved it. I don't mind the grime and I love the historic nature of it. But I just felt that, you know, Again, uh, running into that sort of Saturday crowd. I mean, that was just when our trip happened to be. So, you know, what are you going to do? But one day when I'm back down in the Kansai, I want to go back to both Voice and Java. Like I'm saying, like a Thursday afternoon, two o'clock when, you know, it's going to be quiet. Maybe can talk to them a little bit more and get a good feel for like, what is the joint? You know, who comes here? You know, what are you guys going to do with it? And all of that. Because it just seems that with a place that that old, like, you know, we know one of our favorites, Charmant, having closed, which was open from 1955. Um, there's not many places left that are this old. Umi in Saitama maybe beats it by one year. Umi was open in 1952. So, I, but other than that, Java is one of the oldest continuous running jazz cases. So, definitely a lot more mystery about it that 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 we need to go solve. Um, 
Uh, I've asked a few yeah, people about it, but they had the same experience as us, Philip. I asked people, in the, uh, friends in Osaka, and they were like, oh, yeah, it's nice, but you, uh, shut the quiet, a little scary. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 yeah. I, I mean, I, the fact, I, in my head, it was, I, for some reason, I had 1956 in my head, but it's incredible that it's 1950s. I mean, when you think actually how long that is, that it's been under those train tracks, and, you know, you can still sit there and you can hear those trains going overhead. And, like, when you think, of just the change in the country and the culture and the city, all those things that have like taken place around that place, Java, just being there and playing, um, you know, jazz since 1953. It's quite staggering. I think like that it's, you know, you, you sort of say 1953, but when you think actually how old that is, like it is astonishing that that place is just still going and long especially, may it continue. Especially like Kobe, you know, being a port town. And I know from being here in Yokohama and, and talking to people about, well, what was Yokohama like after the war? I mean, remember, uh, the Americans only left in 1952, right? So they occupied Japan for seven years after the war, but but things were still really, really in rough shape, even in 1952, 53, okay? And for Port Town, that goes doubly. I mean, I heard a lot of stories about Yokohama being crazy violent in those days with gangs and this and that, and everybody trying to get settled in territory. So you've got this, this, this jazz cafe that opens there right under the tracks, right in the center of the downtown entertainment district. And somehow they're the only shop that's been able to survive all of the decades that have gone I know. by. I mean, it's 70 years this year, you know? And maybe it's I, because they've it's because they've never let anyone take pictures apart from that one person. Maybe because, that's maybe that's the because, secret because to long the, life. The, the two the two uh the two sisters were running it when they were teenagers and they learned how to kick some ass over the years. I don't know, but I I really do want to go back and talk to them because um I think it would be it doesn't uh, this is just a guess, but it doesn't seem like the kind of place that they would have a successor in line for. You know what I mean? No. And I mean, again, this is a tragedy, right? Because, you know, what you would like to see perhaps is something like a Chigusa type situation where this, you know, people are stepping in even better, you know, like the state or some kind of state funded organization mm. or heritage type organization is stepping in mm. to protect something like that because it is such a unique and it is such a historical place. But yeah. As you say, the chances are, I mean, we're, this is all complete conjecture, obviously, on our part, but, you know, there's potentially that it will just, when it closes, it will close. And, and you just think, what an incredible loss to have a place like that uh, just disappear, you know, with all that history and all the the kind of, you know, uh, stories and 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 amazing kind of memories that have been made there and, and, and it could be gone like that. Well, you know, I, think, if, if, I think one advantage would be Unlike our beloved Charmant, which had all of those things but did not have the location, um, yeah, you know, being being where it is, right smack dab in the middle of Kobe and in, in Sanomiya, um, I think that there would be a much greater awareness. Obviously, Kobe is a much smaller city as well, so you might have this. Whoever runs this Kobe Jazz Town website, for example, would would you know there would be a community there to maybe come together. Whereas in Tokyo, it's just too big, and you know the neighborhood's not in the center, etc. So, but yeah, it's it's a it's a historic place, and and you know, uh, you know definitely definitely have to go and get the get the the scoop 
uh, on my next trip down to the consulate, which will be very, very soon, Philip, actually, breaking news. Um, maybe Jealous. Give, give you some more about that later. Um, okay, so we, we, we go news. out of Java and we decide um, – so we're going to get on the train um, back to Osaka, which, again, you know, very close. It's a 20-minute express ride along the coast. You get back into – to, to the center of Osaka. And then we go to a place that, Philip, this is interesting. Both of us had been there previously on our own, but for some reason there was miscommunication where I had forgot that you had been there. And I think you had assumed that I had never had been there, but, but we both we both had been there. And it's it's a place called Nancy. Um, oh, wow, this is another, wow, Tokyo Jazz Joints flashback, the great Bunka Banka debate of a couple years ago, which you must be a complete maniac for our show if you remember. Um, we had a little ruckus about the name of Nancy. Do you remember? I Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think probably ruckus is, is, and also I think also, I mean, I know you're prone to exaggeration, but the, the great debate I think probably is, is really over-egging the pudding slightly. But I, we, we had a minor, a we had debate. a minor disagreement. We had a minor disagreement. It almost ruined our friendship. Well, you know what? I mean, here's the thing. I mean, not, 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 not to open a can of worms, but like I'm actually looking at a picture of you and Julie, who by this point had joined us from Tokyo, standing outside photographing a sign that says, wait for it, <laughs> jazz, modern jazz, sunny, tea and spirits. So, I mean, now, in fairness, it does also say Nancy on the, on the mat right next to the door. So I feel like maybe this debate still has a few, uh, has some legs. Well, I don't know. It's, it's, just, it's just funny because when you, when you come to the website, it's 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 just as confusing. It says in Japanese, the newly reformed and opened Jazz Nancy, which used to be called Osaka Jazz Kisa Sunny. So yes, I knew so, it. So there we it. there there we go there we go. So uh, whether you call it Nancy well, or you're an old school per customer who calls it Sunny, um, okay. Th there's a couple things, but, but before we even. Before we even get inside of Nancy, I think we need to set the scene of exactly where it is in yeah, Osaka. Definitely. Okay. Um, Osaka, for people who've not been there, I think we mentioned in the previous episode, of course, you know, it's an old merchant town. It's got a very distinct local culture that they're very proud of uh, with their dialect, with their food, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and there are certain parts of Osaka that I, I you know, again, I'm, I'm not saying this in any derogatory way, but I, I just want to give a feel so you can get the feel for the atmosphere of it. Very earthy, um, very raw, earthy. A, a little bit run down, maybe compared to some parts of, of Tokyo and extremely local. So when you're walking around there, especially Philip, I don't know because we were together, but when I had walked around there alone, I remember getting a lot of side eyes from people like, what's this guy doing here? So extremely, extremely local area, um, is, you know, where you get out of the train and you just walk onto the tracks and immediately you're confronted with like local standing bars, the kind of place where guys order cups of sake for like 50 yen, which is basically 50 cents, you know? So it's that kind of neighborhood. Yeah, I mean, it's very rare to feel, and I say this as, I, I, I'm conscious I say this as a man, but it, it's very rare, very rare certainly as a man to feel um, uncomfortable 
anywhere in Japan in terms of, I mean, I'm not talking about onsens and things, but, <laughs> you know, just walking, walking the streets in a way you, you might walk certain cities um, with a wariness, particularly at night of where you are. But I would say there's something, and it could be complete projection on my part, but there's definitely something about that walk to Nancy where you just think, yeah, there's just a there's definitely more of an edge than you are used to feeling. I think in in Japan, yeah, in yeah, general, Kyo, uh, and certainly the, the in the big cities, is, right? Um, yeah, the station's Kyobashi. It's it's a sort of a commuter hub. So if you're familiar with Tokyo, think of someplace more like Ikebukuro, but on a smaller scale. And it's just yeah, I think that was a good way to describe it, Philip, because you know we've traveled all around Japan together. And one of the one of the great things about Japan, and again, we're speaking as uh, tall Western men who really don't get hassled at all. Uh, so that is our experience. But you pretty much can go almost anywhere you want. And even if other people might think that that's a oh that's a that's a nightlife neighborhood. There's some scary Japanese gangsters there or whatever. Nobody hassles you. If anything, the person you see in the street that you might be afraid of is probably afraid of you because you know you're the the doll strange foreigner walking through their neighborhood. But when you walk that walk from Kyobashi to Nansi, it's exactly as you said. It's it's one of those few places in Japan where you feel like, I don't want to get too drunk here and maybe walk into the wrong joint. And I want to make sure that I keep my wits about me uh, because it looks like the kind of place, again, I don't think you're going to get robbed, but definitely there's a little bit of, uh, of uh, again, my favorite word, a little bit of ruckus at night. Um, and I've heard that from local people in Osaka too, when they've said like, oh, you were drinking around Kyobashi at night? Oh, you know, you shouldn't, you know, be careful around there. There's some rough joints, you know? So, and if a Japanese person says that casually to you, take it seriously because it's not something that would normally be said here. You know, um, yeah, but any, absolutely, yeah. But anyway, you walk along, and and you know, again, there's all your regular eateries and whatnot. But the interesting thing with Nancy is that you know you come across like a kind of a side street where there's where there's a, you know like trees, there's a little park, there's a couple of like small houses, it's like a little community garden or something, right? That's how I remember it. It's yeah. it's quite surprising because you're walking through those uh, the Shoten guy, and a lot of the shops are shuttered by that time. But then you turn immediately left and and sunny is there and it's got this little community <laughs> garden kind of like it's a nice it's it's actually quite a nice sort of it feels like a residential neighborhood just where it is there seems to be apartments and this kind of greenery um there so it's 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 quite surprising not as surprising as when you go in though right well again how would you describe the entryway to uh to to Nancy. I don't think cluttered look, we talk a lot on this podcast about cluttered jazz kisa. That doesn't quite I mean, listen, there was one guy in there and I still didn't think we could get a seat when we walked in because yeah. almost all the seats at the counter of a of an L bar, I mean there was about eight of them, almost all of them were completely full of like just just random things. Not even books or magazines or records, just random stuff. There was a wooden like toy soldier on one of the seats next to me uh, you know just it was it was as if the guy had like Friend moved it. house and just brought all the stuff from his home and left it in the jazz key and it was just sitting there yeah I, I describe the interior aesthetic the sort of decorating aesthetic as just piling things up that's basically what you do right you any surface you just put loads of stuff on it i mean it's mad too because it has when you come in you have that like you said that narrow counter on the left um and then you know barely a few seats and then when you go down the back there's lots more piles of stuff but on the left just as you're going to the toilet there's this 
beautiful Paragon system, which is where the sound is coming from. And it, I mean, it's just, we've talked about Paragon many times. It's a stunning, stunning thing to look at, you know, and it it's there in amongst all this clutter. And the owner himself as well is tucked behind you. It's one of those places where you wonder how he gets in and out of the bar. Um, and uh, it's completely surrounded by bottles and, and um, you know, half, half, half open bottles of different things well, and stuff and, like that. And this so, was, this was the strange thing because it, it seemed to me like when you'd order, it'd be the kind of place where it's like, okay, can I just get a beer? And that he would reach under the counter and bring out like a warm can of like Sapporo or something, right? That's that's kind of what you would expect there. But but strangely, he was like, oh, I've got some very uh, rare craft beer here from such and such brewery. And I was like, well, It was what? like a little menu as well. Do you remember? There was like a menu of like yeah, three types, yeah. right? And it was kind mm-hmm. of like, wait, you, you, you've got craft beer in here? That's okay. That's interesting. And, you know, I, I had forgotten, Philip, because um, the time I had gone to, to Nancy slash Sunny many, many years ago was on the tail end of a night, probably when I'd had way too much. And I didn't remember. I, I, I didn't remember it. All I had in my old notebook was just like, um, local jazz joint, pretty cool. So not very good note taking in those days. Um, right, your, your your notes have come on so far. They, they're much more comprehensive. Um, but you you said to me, you were like, wait, don't you remember this guy? And you know, again, we we probably should be sensitive about this. Um, we try to be as sensitive as we can. Uh, the the owner of Nazi was a really really nice dude, and he's got a great Twitter feed as well. So if you read Japanese, look it up. He tweets a lot of cool music stuff. In addition to his absolutely gorgeous smile and his very very warm greeting, um, and again extremely thick Osaka dialect. So I had to really yeah, he's he's a real Osaka down. like. He- yeah, you get that real vibe, I think, of him. It's very sort of, he talks very quickly. And like, mm-hmm. probably for me, out of all those people, he's the one I really have to like, really concentrate on what he's saying, you know, because he has that particular manner. Mm-hmm. Um, and thank God when we were ordering those beers, he had that menu. I think I distinctly remember one of them being Brit- like a British some sort of British stout, or something. I remember like a U- Union Jack flag on the menu. It's, it was the which kind obviously of, I would notice. The kind of beer that you you, you just you could have had fifty a hundred guesses of what kind of beer this guy's going to serve you, and you wouldn't have got to that one. You know what I mean? Because it just didn't it just didn't vibe with the decor. Because the rest of the stuff was like, oh, uh, let me get a whiskey uh, and a sour, and he just like pulls a whiskey bottle from like in between these stacks of magazines. You know what I mean? And like pops it into yeah, a yeah, glass. Yeah. So you know, it, it was that was a real surprise. I don't know how he would have hooked up with them, um, but no, I mean, great, great dude. Great local spot. Again, like you mentioned, the really, really good sound. Um, the kind of place that, you know, if you are, if you dig the deep spots, you've got to go there. Well, Philip, we, we, all this great talk about the owner, but w- what about the very unexpected uh, conversation that we heard and comments that we heard from the customer who was sitting and talking to the owner? Yes. Uh, well, funnily enough, um, 
I happened to, perhaps it was fate, I happened to sit down and right in front of me on the counter was um, uh, a couple of uh, issues of a fairly well-known book of photographs of jazz kisan i'm not talking about tokyo jazz joints and we got chatting about those and i was looking through that and then the customer who was sat next to me uh, an older japanese guy happened to we, we struck up a conversation about one thing and another uh, he made a couple of interesting comments and then um i mentioned about the project that we were doing and it turns out that he also knew uh, who we were, right? He knew that we were Tokyo Justice. He'd come across the project and he, I think, follows us online for sure. And of course, then I couldn't help tell him about the book. And I hope if he's listening, which is highly unlikely, but I do hope that he's <laughs> somehow managed to procure a copy of the book one way or the other, right? But it was such a lovely thing, right? Because, you you know, you're in these places in order to, to see them, experience them, photograph them. Um, and then, you know, people are sort of saying, oh, I know... People who are in there as customers themselves have come across the project that you're literally sitting doing at that very moment. Like it's it's quite something. I mean, especially you know, look, we we we've now at this point been well. You've been on the road for a week plus. Uh, we've been down in Kansai for two days. You know, hitting it pretty hard, moving around. We were in we were in Osaka in the morning. We went to Kobe. We came back to Osaka. We're starting to have a, a little you know, a couple of drinks. And then just randomly to hear that this guy, you know, knows who we are. And it's just sort of like, oh, this is great. This is like why we're doing this. You know what I mean? Like this is this is a validation again of all the effort that we put in to run around to these joints. And and he was really, you know, excited to hear about the book project so it was sort of it was sort of just like what great timing you know after that long day when we're just settling in to order a couple of craft beers oh i don't think you had a craft beer you stuck with your usual oh GT. i did yeah i did, did you okay did, i don't remember now <laughs> at that point like like you say I, I at that point i was really struggling i mean it'd been a long as much as we love doing it like it it is you know, and I'm not, we're not looking for sympathy, but I think like it can be really intense sometimes, right? When you're well, I mean, it was two days you, into a you, trip you, like that. You were, you were, you were coming off of international travel. So I had been resting up before Osaka. So I was still feeling pretty good. Also, I think you probably had way too much coffee because you were hitting the coffee all day long, which I had stopped, yeah. uh, which is never a good sign. So that, that caffeine would have made you jittery. But, but in any case, it, it was a great moment. And, 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 you know, these kinds of things, uh, you know, again, they always sort of, you know, why do you do this? Who are you doing it for? And it's like, well, we're doing it for, obviously we want to introduce this world to people outside Japan. That That is that is a major, major part of the project of everything we've done for years. But it's also super, super hip to know that there's Japanese people out there who go to these kisa and are like, oh yeah, yeah, I know you guys. That's great what you're doing. You know, even if they can't speak English, they can't follow the podcast, but they can see the pictures. They know the effort that's been put in. So yeah, absolutely just a great, great pit stop at Nancy. And then um, I guess after And it that, was a pit stop, wasn't it? Like, I mean, it, it's funny, like it's, it's almost, it's quite fateful, right? Because we both been there. Mm. And I think just because we weren't a million miles away, we decided to go to, to Nancy and, um, you know, just put another stop in between the, the final place that we're going to talk about today. But like we, you know, could, could have just as easily not gone there, right? You know, gone, got some food or gone, mm. got a drink somewhere else or something like that. So 
just again, you know, nice kind of vindicating moment where you're like, oh, well, I'm glad we stopped by because like you say, the owner's just like a charm. And then, you know, just to have that very brief interaction with that other customer so randomly, it just always makes it, it kind of, it's like a cherry on the top kind of situation, isn't it really? Definitely, definitely. And then, um, so we, so we, we, we pack up, we move around to a place that, the last place of the night, I think, before we had, uh, well, maybe we have, might have had a couple more drinks and non-jazzy, but um, this one was a little bit of a trek to get to, if I remember. It was in southern, maybe moving towards the southern part of Osaka in, in, in what seemed to be a kind of a dead zone where, again, underneath the train tracks, there were a lot of these old sort of like storage uh, spaces yeah, yeah. and car mechanics or small part manufacturers, very, very Osaka, you know, all the little small buhin makers that supply the big car companies down there. Um, so a very Osaka environment. But when you walked into it, it was a place, uh, Jazz Bar M's Hall. It was as, I, I mean, as American as it gets. I, I don't know how else, how else would you describe Jazz Bar M's Hall? I mean, it was American. Well, apart from the Union Jack that was hanging outside, of course. Um, there was but yeah, no, there it was. was not a Union Jack hanging out. What are oh, you talking about? Oh, yes, there what? was. Look, listen, nonsense. don't, don't that even is, see. That is see, when it comes nonsense. to flags, when it comes to flags, you're arguing with the wrong person. Ugh. I'm obsessed, as you know. And also I live in Belfast, so I, I have got, I've got good flag game. But no, there was definitely a Union Jack. Because I've actually got, because I've got on my notes, a very comprehensive summary, which says, Industrial District, car showroom next door, older couple, full of antiques and collectibles, Beatles, Union Jack outside. And then the final bullet point just simply says, who are customers? Which I think really sums up just how odd this place was right because if you remember we tried to get a tax we, we got so sort of turned around when we were getting there we tried to get a taxi but we couldn't get a taxi right there were no taxis so we we're just mm. walking and walking mm. and we're like are we going to find it and then eventually when we got there like you said it was this dead zone all these under under the track kind of um you know warehouses and and uh like auto shops and those kind of places and then just this M's Hall. Now, it, apparently it was open 1994. They had a big flag up, said 1994, and it was an older couple running it, but it was quite a cavernous kind of, again, like a lot of wooden furniture, some really nice, like red armchair, like kind of soft armchairs, lovely bar, beautifully stocked bar. So mm. you do wonder, like, who who is going there, right? Because well, it's not a place that you would be passing by, right? Right, right. You'd have to go there You'd have to want to go there. Um, having a look at the, the notes, it's so funny the impressions that you get, Philip. Because so you, you you pointed out the Union Jack and the Beatles, and I pointed out the the American Neon Beer sign and the Ventures album. So immediately those are very okay. very American things jumped out right to me, um, but also the kind of the, the shape of the place, this sort of yeah, cavernous is a very good word. You know what I mean? Because again, we've talked so many times, Japan, small country, rather crowded, especially in urban locations, you don't get that space. Um, but here, because where it was in this sort of dead zone area, it had this gigantic feel to it, you know, spacious, high ceiling, um, you know, again, lots of music stuff all around the place. 
And yeah, it's interesting looking at the website right now. You know, they talk about how the owner, uh, so uh, Shurosan is his name. So he's born in 1949. Um, huge Beatles and Ventures fan influenced him as a young man. So uh, he joined. He joined a band. He played the drums and the saxophone. Um, and he was really into jazz as well in Bossa Nova. And so when he had the chance, he opened up his own place 30 years ago. So there, you know, they, so you can obviously see that he's got that double influence of the British rock plus the American plus the jazz and the Bossa. Very, very Japanese in that sense. But I mean, I really like the place. Uh, to me, uh, you know, it's not a place that I would probably go out of my way. But if it was near where I lived, it would be a wonderful spot to pop in to drink because, you know, that definitely you're gonna yeah. hear, you're going to hear really good music. You had the really, really gigantic windows. Um, you had the high brick wall with the sort of like steel beams, but also some wood. Um, yeah, just a very, very nice place. Now, it does look as if they do less live events than they did in the past. Looking at the calendar now, they've got five listed basically in a month, mostly Fridays, sometimes Saturdays. So, right, yeah. So the live stuff, and again, that could be a COVID thing. We've seen that some, from uh, from some other jazz spots where they, they've had to reduce and they never sort of like kicked it back up again. But I, I would guess that if you went to a live gig there on a Friday night, it would be pretty crowded. Yeah, and and it's a good spot for it because there's there's the counter and then a lot of table space. You know, again, another be another good place to go. Like if you had a group of people or you know you were organizing that kind of night mm. out. Um, but it, you know, for me, the one thing that stood out for me, and and um, you know, I was conscious of potentially other customers coming in, so. I uh, had a wander around while I was still able to taking some pictures and stuff. But I think again, you know, like you, you have all these photographs of the Beatles and, and all these people up on the walls, beautifully framed and so on. But for me, one of the standouts was when you go to the toilet, um, just, just stuck on the wall, quite low down on the way back from the toilet is this folded very clearly. It's been folded. You can still see the fold lines poster. I mean, I don't even know where you would get a poster of Elvin Jones, but anyway, it was a poster of Elvin Jones and signed by him in a silver pen. And again, you just think, there you go. And it was sort of hanging off the wall a little bit, like a little bit, um, you know, uh, torn and so on. But just uh, to me, one of those things that just sums up the extent of the incredible memorabilia and stuff that is, not it's it's about in like not in a casual way like not in a sense that people don't care but just i suppose there's so much of it you know and it's become so much a part of the furniture and just stuff that's you ex you expect to find in these places or for the owners at least those kind of things being there is just par for the course but for me and for you when you go and you're like well first of all where would you get it's actually sponsored by yamaha so it's like a yamaha <laughs> elvin jones poster and it's signed by him, and yet it's just kind of half hanging off the wall. There's like a tear in the left-hand side, and you think these places are just repositories of this culture, and well, I Phil, never will not be surprised by what, what you find in them. Philip, this is, uh, this is why you and I have been able to spend multiple years and many long nights um, going around doing this without getting at each other's throats too much because that is one of the only photographs I took inside <laughs> in Jasper M. Hall was that album right, yeah. when I went to the bathroom. Mad, I've got right? it, I've got it right here in, in, in my photo album. Yeah, I, I, I pegged that right away. And I was like, oh, wow. Because, I mean, again, 
Elvin, you know, we know his connection to Japan through his wife Keiko, uh, the fact that he he even spent some time living here, but he, and even when he was living in the States, he was basically here all the time, uh, multiple times a year. So you see pictures of him, um, not just his albums, but you actually see pictures of him inside a lot of the joints all around the country. And so, you know, he's a major, major figure for Japanese jazz fans. Um, so not surprising to see him, but to see that exactly the way you described it was just, yeah, that was fan. And also when you when you zoom in, actually, at the bottom corner, uh, I mean, just, just to add another sort of level of you know, whatever, it's the Red Sea Jazz Festival in Israel is where the poster's from. So, I mean, again, what? Extremely, extremely random. <laughs> right? like, extremely what? random. Yes. And there it is, you know, I just hanging. Anyway, I, look. I wouldn't imagine old Shudo-san was, was flying out to the Red Sea Jazz Festival in Israel back in the day. Well, Seems no, unlikely. Maybe, this is more likely he got it off a Yamaha rep or something. <laughs> like, who yeah. could have been on business? But yeah, yeah. a great way to end the night, Fair. though. It was, yeah. And I mean, it was just, again, very intense. That was day two. And, you know, if you're listening to this now, the decision will already have been made. But I'm really <laughs> regretting the whole four-part or three-day because I feel like this is actually <laughs> going to be the fourth. This is going to be the second part. This is going to be part two of part three of a three-day <laughs> Of a three day, it's gonna be like three A, three B. I hate this. Listen, it's a nightmare. I I already called one of the kids up to bring me another beer. So I mean, we're an hour, one hour forty. This is absurd. Thirty six minutes into this, so uh, yeah. This is like when when I. it's another episode where we went to some jazz places and uh, talked about. It's a yeah, concept it album. That's what it is. It's a yeah. concept album. It's like um, it's like Tailed. when someone puts out a three L three LP set and you're like, you know what? I love this band, but I am not listening to three LPs. Oh, and anyway. the old uh, Tales from Topographic Oceans by Yes, yeah. There we go. Jumping the shark. Rick Wakeman is with, with, with us without, in spirit. Without, without a doubt, jumping the shark. Yes. <laughs> well, look. Uh, there's some other exciting news to share and probably depending on what way I divide up these episodes and put them out, the chances are that ship will have already sailed. So look, I'll leave that and, uh, you can keep an eye on our socials. Uh, if you're listening to this, it's more than likely you've already, um, you've already come across it, but we've had a fantastic opportunity to get some real, uh, really worldwide publicity, um, on top of what we've already had for the book in particular from a, a, a fantastic, someone who's been a fantastic supporter of the project, completely randomly, I must say. And uh, we're very happy that that he has been so supportive of the project. But look, that'll all be clear once you've heard this and once you've seen what's going on on our socials. So keep an eye on that. Uh, keep an eye on to, uh, www.tokyo. It's been an hour, 40 minutes. <laughs> www.tokyojazzjoints.com. You'll find it. Do you know what? Don't even do that. Just look up Tokyo Jazz Joints because there's only Jesus, one. Man, look, episode, I don't even know why. I don't even know why I do the address. 50, it's episode fifty nine. By this point, I think people know how to find the website. Anyway, look, James. Oh, and also, yeah. By the time this is up, uh, I'll be well. I mean. I'll probably be on episode 167. But anyway, uh, yeah, lots of new great music on OK Jazz. Check it out. You'll love it. A really one of my best zingers ever um, for you, my dear friend, Philip. If you if you do ever listen to my podcast one day, you can check that out. Great zinger on the last Can't episode. Can't wait. 
So uh, we wait. did it. We made it. We, we're through Osaka, and uh, we do have a couple more episodes to go, but I believe we will be in the wonderfully beautiful location of Nara next time. So stay tuned. For we are. That. We're going to Nara, but then we're coming back to Osaka to finish it off, and it's a place that we uh, oh, yes. had to go three times before um, we yes. could get in. But yeah, yes. and it was we the got perfect, there in the end. It was the perfect conclusion to the trip. Yes, yes. Can't wait. I mean, to talk it was nothing. It. We 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 more or less kind of shouldered down the door. Let's be honest, but look, we got in and we got to <laughs> chat, and we can't wait to talk about that in whatever the next episode will be, whether it's sixty or sixty-one. I've lost oh, count yeah. now. Anyway, look, I need to go and do some stuff. So, look, you have a good week, have a good two weeks, uh, and I look forward to picking up this conversation and finishing this Kansai Odyssey in the next episode, or it may be more than one episode. <laughs> I think that's, the podcast might be longer than the actual Odyssey, but yeah, we 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 know our listeners are with us, so we love you. And uh, yes, we will be back in a couple of weeks, Philip. Uh, have a great one, man. And I will talk with you soon. You too. Okay. Take, Take it easy. Bye-bye. All the best. <laughs>